Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean Laughlin, and I'm flying solo today with my guest Yaz Farjad. She is a researcher uh, who is currently finishing up her second master's degree and she's done a lot of research and work on aquaculture ingredient replacement, fish meal, fish oil replacement, uh, and has just some really interesting insights on what's going on in that realm and kind of the, in- and we talk about the intricacies of all of the different fish meal replacement ingredients and uh, the best benefits and drawbacks to some of them, uh, as well as the marketing aspect, because she's also a marketing professional, and she has some really cool ideas on how we can use marketing to influence consumers into uh, making better choices. So it's a really cool conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. But before we get into it, I want to remind everybody to please subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen so you can get every new episode directly downloaded onto your device as soon as it becomes available. And if you want to get in contact with us, just like Yaz did, you can use the contact form on our website, globalseafood.org slash podcast, or you can connect with us on Twitter. We are at AquademiaPod, or you can email us directly, podcast at globalseafood.org. And lastly, like I always do, I want to remind everybody to please, if you have a moment, to just take one or two minutes, leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. It really helps us out, and we really appreciate everyone that's done that. So enjoy this conversation I had with Yaz, and I'll talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. So I am sitting down with Yas Barjad, who contacted me. She contacted us through the uh, contact form on the website i told you that we respond to everyone that uh, that gets to us and she has some really cool experiences that uh, she wants to share so before i get into your history and you know uh, kind of how you got to where you where you are now and some of the stuff that you stuff that you've done i want to talk i want to just mention like the main topics because two of the main things that we talk about on not the main things but two things that we talk about a lot on this show are in- ingredients feed ingredients this is just a hot topic it's always popular every time we have a, an episode about feed ingredients alternative feed ingredients all that kind of stuff they they always do really well people down we get a lot of downloads people like listening to it they like learning about that because it is a hot topic in the industry uh and then one thing that we're concerned about from our end all the time is marketing messaging outreach getting the word out breaking out of that vacuum as we as we say um yeah you've, you've listened to the show i'm sure, I'm sure you've heard us mention the vacuum before that um, always comes up. And so Yaz is the perfect person to come on and talk to us about that today. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm great. Before we get into feed ingredients, which I know is kind of a big thing that you want to talk about because you've been doing some really cool research on shrimp digestibility okay. and some other things like this. I want to first talk about your first research project because it's it's not an easy task to get a published paper out there. So give us a, a quick little rundown of the uh, the diatom project you were involved in, if you don't mind. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Uh, I will start to just explain how I put myself in this industry. Yeah, um, All of my life, I had a keen interest in marine biology. So I decided to pursue my studies in, in this domain. And I get my first master in marine biology, but more focused on um, environmental issue, like the, the effect of presenting uh, exotic species to a new marine environment, which was a really interesting and amazing collaboration between 
Italy and Iran, and I did a part of my research in Italy. Uh, but uh, meanwhile, uh, at that moment, especially in Middle East, it was a drastic increase for the, uh, the interest for using water as a source of uh, sustainable foods uh, and just um, a drastic expansion of um, aquaculture development in Middle East. So I put myself in this industry after being graduated um, because during my master, I work on the, the, the impact of um, presenting diatoms, exotic diatoms to persons. Gulf, which was completely something, uh, an environmental issue. But after mm-hmm. being graduated, uh, I start uh, meeting lots of amazing people who were in, in this industry in Iran and other Middle Eastern country. And I met lots of farmers who bring lots of innovation in, in this industry. I participate in conference. I read lots of articles because for me, aquaculture is like a combination of science and business. Mm-hmm. So with the scientific background that I had that I gave from the, my first master and after learning lots of things during one year of research and meeting people uh, I start being consultant uh, in uh, some little projects little aquaculture project in Iran and we start analyzing the potential of uh, source and uh, north of Iran south of and north of Iran uh, for cage farming and intensive system farming for exclusively for sea bass and sea bream and crayfish uh, which was really, really amazing. I met lots of uh, amazing people who had lots of new ideas for uh, changing uh, the aquaculture in Middle East. But um, and where, where exactly was that? I'm sorry to interrupt, but where was uh, it? It was uh, it was in Iran, in south of Iran, oh, okay. uh, for just uh, developing the cage farming in Persian Gulf, and at the same time, uh, intensive system near uh, River Aras in north of Iran, near Caspian Sea. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and after that, but uh, at that moment, I felt that maybe I would need some um, academic education uh, in aquaculture for uh, just uh, increasing my knowledge and being more expert in my career. So it mm-hmm. was the moment that I moved from Iran to France and I restart my second master in uh, fisheries management and aquaculture in engineering school. What school uh, is what school is that? It's um, Agrocampus, uh, which is uh, in Rennes, Brittany, uh, and uh, it's a, it's a um, agro agro, in the, in the agro university, which are more focused on fisheries management and aquaculture. Very but their cool. name is uh, Agrocampus, Agrocampus Engineering School. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, but at that moment, because you know, aquaculture is really a fragmented industry, so we should really uh, do lots of uh, improvement in each part of this industry for at the end have a uh, have a sustainable activities. So I was thinking that which kinds of uh, research gonna be more interesting for me, and uh, I oriented myself for just being more in uh, aqua feeds and marketing strategies. Because because when I was in Iran, uh, I was working more about uh, in the marketing part of the aquaculture too. So I started doing some research in aquafeeds and fish meal especially. And I had the opportunity for uh, passing some amazing internship. Last year, I was three months in Belgium. And I had uh, I did my internship uh, in Crevatech. Uh, they work on um, alternatives for Artemia, which is one of the main issues in shrimp, ha- shrimp hatcheries. 
And uh, currently, I'm finishing my master and my second internship with Aliotica Company, uh, which is a consultation company in aquafeeds and a technical procedure for producing feeds in aquaculture. Uh, and I have uh, the chance for working on uh, development of new tools and new uh, protocols for uh, measuring the digestibility index for shrimp. Uh, by collecting fecal matters. And after finishing my internship with them, I would uh, continue collaborating with them with as uh, their business and marketing manager development. So this is my short story from where mm-hmm. I started being in this industry and where I am now. <laughs> so I, I have a couple questions, but what was the spark that brought that interest from marine biology over into aquaculture because for there's a lot of people who grow up and they just they they love marine biology and they think i'm gonna go do research out on the ocean or i'm gonna train dolphins in the aquarium you know all these dreams that kids have what was it that sparked your mind to go from marine biology into aquaculture so i think i was i was really interested to do something um at the beginning the my motivation for starting uh studying in marine biology was doing something for the planet and meanwhile, uh, of my studies, I was really interested for being a part of the feed industry too. So I thought that maybe I could use uh, my knowledge and whatever I learned from my studies uh, for uh, for the feed industry. So what was common between this industry and the marine biology was aquaculture. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned before, it was for me it was really interesting to be a part of the marketing of feed industry. Right. And I found um, uh, aquaculture as a solution. And after that, um, my biggest motivation for just restarting another master, it was that uh, for me, the biggest issue of aquaculture now is that we, we don't have any uh, a sustainable industry in the whole world. Because if we want to be more clear, the definition of something sustainable is that the ability of meeting the needs of prison without compromising the ability of the meeting the needs in the future for the further generation. Mm-hmm. But the problem of aquaculture is that um, is that now uh, we would uh, we wouldn't have we wouldn't consider this industry as a sustainable one because there is uh, at the same time that we have lots of uh, tremendous benefits for humans like um, having access to high quality foods or generating a million jobs and a billion dollar of budgets for especially for developing countries. Uh, on the other hand, we have lots of negative effect of. Uh, this industry on the environment, which was my first motivation as a as a marine biologist, because as I mentioned before, I work on environment and aquaculture. The, the biggest issue of aquaculture is that the negative effect of this industry on the environment. For example, the first of all, like I mentioned, that the the, the destroying lots of sensitive environment like a mangrove forest, mangroves, which is yep. uh, yeah exactly, which is one of the main uh, source of organic matters, or even um, for nesting area for lots of species like birds, reptiles tile, marine mammals. And the second one, it was exactly whatever I did in my in my first master, the negative effect of introducing exotic species to a, to, to, to a new environment and replacing the native one, uh, which was, I work on the items, which is not something that is interesting in aquaculture, but well, this is the same impact. And the third problem, it was the, the contamination from the farms, which could directly have effect on decreasing the population of aquatic organisms and consequently uh, decrease the capture volume of fisheries. 
So all of them, all of this, this problem, this issue could turn this industry to a non-sustainable one. And for having a sustainable industry, we need to just turn this industry uh, for having a neutral effect on the ecosystem and plus having an industry with an economic feasibility. So uh, as a marine biologist, for me, the first part, it was how we can turn this industry to, to an activity with neutral effect on the environment. And this was the reason that I put myself in aquaculture and more I just met more people who, who had really interesting uh, strategy for just how we can improve this, these activities. I was more interested about even about the economic feasibility. So it was the reason, it was my motivation for just restarting uh, my studies in aquaculture. Yeah, I love when you get to hear a story of someone who recognizes the issues that come with fish farming. And instead of taking a very defensive uh, view of it and trying to shut down all the fish farms and just destroy the industry and all that, exactly. take the initiative to, well, let's find ways to make it better. Let's find you know better responsible practices and things like that. I think that's a great way to approach it. And I, I wish more people would do that. So let's talk about alternative feed ingredients, because I know that's something that you've been working on quite a bit. I really personally appreciate the studies uh, about trying to replace Artemia, because when I was raising fish in my last job, Artemia culture was my least favorite part of that job. So <laughs> if, we <could> find, <laughs> if we could find a way to not have to like bleach and decapsulate Artemia on a daily basis, that would be fantastic for a lot of farmers, I think. <laughs> Definitely. So what what was that study all about? How did it work? What did you do? What were some of the uh, some of the results that you looked that you saw? I think that it's better if I start from something more generally and just sure. after speaking about whatever I did in, during my research, because um, as I, I as I was speaking about how we can turn this industry to a sustainable one, I think one of the main obstacles now is about the feeds. Uh, because, um, as I mentioned before, for having a sustainable aquaculture, we need to have economic feasibility. But the problem is that for maintaining um, the price of uh, feeds, aqua feeds, is not really easy. Uh, especially that there is a drastic increase in ingredient and raw mater materials that we are using for producing aqua feeds. And plus farmers, they are using their credit for buying these materials, which is uh, an additional burden on them. So um, this was the reason why I turned myself more in the alternatives, even for Artemia or for for the other part of the um, uh, 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 others categories of aquaculture. So um, I think uh, Artemia yeah, definitely it's uh, one of the most used um, feeds in in hatcheries, but uh, something that maybe uh, make me more uh, worry about the future of aquaculture is about the fish meal and fish oil. Because if I want to compare with last year, we have a 30% of increase for using this product in the whole world for aquaculture. Mm -hmm. And generally, one third of the whole production is used in aquaculture. So this is the reason why... Um, there is a progressive reduction. The, the progressive reduction of uh, wild fish to aqua feeds it turns to the main concern of aquaculture and industry. And it's uh, just uh, I'm, I'm, it's sad to say, but it turns aquaculture like a promoter for collapse in fishery stock because, as I said before, fish meal and fish oil are the main concern of aqua feeds. And uh, which are the and, main and their, their sources are wild caught fish. They're exactly. Not, they're not exactly. Fish, so. 
Exactly. So, and uh, obviously, they are uh, they are considered as a main source of the protein now, for which 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 have lots of benefits and advantages. But at the same time, if we continue using this source of protein for long term, we would definitely in in, in ten years, I, I'm quite sure that we would uh, we would just lose lots of uh, wild wild sources of this species. It likely would have a big impact, and that's why the the fish meal fish oil conversation is constantly something that is coming up and and being debated and and it's just people have never let that that leave their consciousness because this is such a big issue and like you said 10 20 years from now like it could have a major impact if we don't kind exactly. of find a way to to mitigate the use of this so that's it I exactly agree. because um i think that uh the first point is that lots of people who are trying to uh, choose some alternatives for replacing the fish meal and uh, they think defining strategies for convincing the supplier for decreasing the production amount it's going to be really uh, logic but for me i think um it's more important to convince the the customers or the consumer of this product for replacing another product as an alternative. Because if I just want to give an example, at the beginning of uh, COVID-19 pandemic, um, the biggest, as we know, the biggest supplier of fish meal is South America, especially Peru and Chile. But uh, the problem was that at the beginning of pandemic, the biggest consumer of this product, China, put lots of restrictions for Im- importing this Import, product yep. to China. So consequently, there were less demand of this product and less production and during six months we had six percent of decrease which during six months is really really an important amount so i think that if we could just uh, convince uh people or or consumers who are using this product for using some alternatives which could have which could give them the same result it's going to be more efficient so this is one of the main um, activities of our company because as i said before aliatica uh, is a consultant for aqua feeds and technical uh, equipment and technical procedures that each kinds of feeds need for uh, for passing their procedures so uh, what we do is just uh, we met clients who want to produce aqua feeds uh, for different kinds of co- concept or different kinds of species. Mm-hmm. And we help them for choosing the best alternatives and uh, equipment and the, the technology of production, which would be more adapted to their concept. So uh, for choosing an alternative, in, in my opinion, due, due to my research, uh, we have lots of criteria that we should consider. The first one is the form of the alternatives, because uh, unfortunately now 80% of the feeds are in the form of plates, which are not really digestible for mm-hmm. any species. And just 20% are in the for- 20% are in the form of extruded mm, feeds, which are more digestible. So the first thing is that we should develop these forms of uh, ingredients. The third one, which is really important, is two index, is digestible index and FCR, which is feed conservation ratio, is the um, is the feed intake by the animal divided by the weight, gain weight of the animal. So uh, more uh, feeds or an alternative is digestible, uh, less the result of protein catabolism that we know is, is ammonium and nitrogen would be in the water column and more the risk of having water pollution mm-hmm. and increase. As I mentioned before, this is one of the main problems, the farm's contamination. Yeah, breakdown of uneaten food. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you see, I think aquaculture is like a chain and each part of this chain has a direct relation with the other part. So if we could just define 
good strategy for each part of these activities. At the at the end, we can say that we we did lots of efforts, and during these ten years, we turn this industry to a sustainable one. Because one of the main important one of the main issue of people who are defining uh, strategies and defining choosing alternatives for, for in aquaculture is that they they prefer to see the impact and the effect in the short term. Which couldn't turn, which couldn't be efficient for having a sustainable industry, I think. Which I will mention after a little bit later, uh, which is really important for choosing mark, good marketing strategies. And the right. third one. Yeah, it's um, all connected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the third um, criteria, which is important, is about the hydrostability of ingredients. Because a more an ingredient is hydrostable in the water, the, the risk of lixiviation, it means uh, losing the ingredient, losing the raw material, would decrease mm-hmm. uh, and would be definitely a, a, an increase of retention of ingredients. So, and the, something which is really important is that we should, uh, what, what I said before is that we should know with, for which kind of species we are choosing these alternatives. For example, fish, uh, normally, generally, fishes are some fast swimmers uh, that will be attracted in few minutes uh, from the fish and they will eat it in, in few minutes, really. Mm-hmm. But uh, shrimp, contrary, are Generally, processions they are they sh- maybe they they need few minutes from from few minutes to few hours for being attracted by by something by an ingredient by a by a feed in the water. So, if you want to choose an alternative for replacing the fish meal for producing, for example, shrimp feeds, definitely hundred percent we need a, a hydrostable hydrostability more in comparison more from from whatever we are choosing for replacing in fish feeds. And the last criteria, which is the most important one, that farmers they are using that uh, from uh, for the the most important criteria for seeing the performance, the gross performance of uh, fish in their farms, it's about uh, the palatability and attractability of the ingredients. Yeah, uh, because, because if they won't eat it, then it's useless. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, and uh, one of the solutions for uh, choosing good alternatives is um, adding some additives, which could attract more uh, animals for being more attracted to the ingredient and eating uh, rapidly. Mm-hmm. So all of these criteria are the, the, the most important criteria for all of the alternatives. And the second point is that for which kind of species, as I mentioned before, we should, we should, uh, we should use this, these alternatives. And uh, among all of the alternatives that has been used during several years, the first one is uh, tri- um, terrestrial and, um, animals byproduct like poultry products, meats, bone, which have the same digestibility index as fish meal. And, uh, but the advantages is that they are less expensive. The problem. Right. So the, you would, you would source that from like meat processing plants, poultry exactly. processing plants, right? It's just waste product to them. So that's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the sourcing is, is a, a big benefit there. Exactly. But the problem is that uh, these alternatives uh, have lots of uh, authorities restriction um, in lots of countries, especially in Europe. Um, so is that for is that for health yes, health concerns? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Or even the, the problem, the negative effect on the environment too. So as we are continuing using another animal for uh, as an alternative for re- replacing the fish, meat, we would definitely have problems like that. And and definitely another problem is going to be the sustainability of these alternatives. Because if we just replace 100% the fish meal with a 
for, for example, with a poultry byproduct, uh, in long term, going to have the same, pro- the same problem of fish meal. So uh, this is the reason why there were lots of research more focused on plant-based alternatives like cereal grains uh, or even leaf meal, peanut meal. But the problem of this alternative is that they don't have the same amino acid profile and fatty acid chains in comparison with fish meal. They are less expensive. Definitely, there is no problem of sustainability or any uh, restriction from authorities, but they are less digestible. And as I mentioned before, some ingredients that are, that are less digestible could increase the risk of uh, water pollution. Yeah. So, um, and this is the, this is due of uh, lots of uh, anti-nutritional factors that we can find in lots of plant-based ingredients. This is the reason that why we are when we are choosing to use these alternatives, we are using some combination of four or five plant-based alternatives for increasing the digestibility index for the ingredients. So you're looking for uh, a combination that you can use to ultimately exactly. replace 100% fish meal? Is that kind of the goal? The pie-in-the-sky pie in goal? <laughs> uh, the problem is that for uh, each species, it's going to be completely different. For example, right, 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 right. Uh, during uh, due to the research, previous research, uh, for example, for carp, we could uh, use uh, 100% of their trial alternatives or even some soybean meal. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, soybean meal is a big one, yeah. Exactly. Soybean meal is the most used one uh, among all, all the plant-based alternatives. Or even for for rainbow trout, we can replace 20% of fish meal with plant-based alternatives without altering their growth rate. Uh, so as I mentioned before, it's, it's really important to consider which kind of species we yeah. we want to uh, just, just choose an alternative for that. And, yeah, uh, I know we spoke with someone, we've spoken with a, a bunch of people about fish meal and fish oil alternatives and stuff, ingredients and stuff like that. Uh, and one that I found super interesting was insect meal, black soldier fly. And they said it's particularly good for species uh, like trout because their natural diet it includes insects primarily. So um, have you done any work with insect meal? Yeah, so yeah. much. But the problem is that I think um, it's the most interesting alternatives among of all of the, the alternatives that I mentioned before, but there is two big issues for these alternatives. Okay. The first one is that uh, until now, I didn't hear that anyone ha- had the same stable profile of amino acid in each, each of their production. Okay. It means that each time they are trying to produce this, uh, the alternative, they are using this alternatives for producing the aquafis. They don't have the same profile of, of amino acid. But, um, so there's no reliable consistency within those tracks. Exactly. But it's so sad because insect meal, they have the same digestibility index as feed in comparison with fish meal. They have the same uh, fatty acid, uh, uh, the same percentage of fatty acid. They have the same profile of acid amino, amino acid. So it's so sad that until now we don't have. Maybe we should do some some improvement in the in the procedure of the, of producing uh, this uh, these kinds of feeds and uh, having a stable one. But the, the second problem, which could be completely related with the strategy that we are using in marketing domain, is that there is not acceptability by the consumers. Uh, I did I, I did some some interesting research uh, two years uh, yeah I think um, two years ago uh, on the acceptability of insect meal by the customers. Uh, we choose uh, rainbow trout, and uh, the, in the first phase of our test, we. I choose uh, 10 customers 
And uh, without telling them that which trout were fed from insect meal and which one were fed from fish meal. So it was interesting because at the end of the re- at the end of the test, all of the all of the customers were satisfied by by both of the product, and they didn't understand that the difference between the the quality, the flesh quality of the final mm-hmm. product. I think but you see that in- a lot when you when you see taste tests a lot, of, well, especially between aquaculture fish and wild caught fish. Those taste exactly. tests, people just can't tell. <laughs> they can't tell exactly. <laughs> you know. So, um, because uh, another advantage of insect meal is that they, as I mentioned before, they have the same profile of fatty acid, especially DHA and EPA, which are two of the most important ones. And uh, the profile of lipids in the ingredients could could directly uh, consequently impact the, the lipid profile in the final product which could increase the tendency of people for, for consuming this product. So as the insect meal, as I mentioned before, has the same profile of lipid, uh, people who don't know that we are using insect meal, they wouldn't just understand the difference. But in the second phase of our test, uh, we just put label on each kind of product by explaining that which kind of ingredient we were used for feeding the, the, the fishes. And, and now all of a sudden pre- they can taste the difference. Yeah. Exactly. Huh, and funny how that works. <laughs> and interestingly, at the end of the uh, at the end of the research, consumers uh, who find out that which product has been fed by insect meal, they did it, They they just find a difference between the quality of these two products because you know when we are speaking with people that uh, we will use insect meal as an alternative, the first thing that came to their mind is like. A rainbow trout that they are in the in the pond and they are feeding with disgusting and huge insects, you know. So mm-hmm. this is the reason that we couldn't have a good acceptability by the customers, and uh, and this is the second reason that I said before that we should use good strategy, good marketing strategy for presenting insect meal to the people. That uh, the difference, even there is no any difference in the in the in the forms or in the appearance of the poker plate that uh, we use insect. Meal or fish meal so even in the in the end the taste would be definitely the same but the problem is that people or consumers should should be should accept it that um when we are speaking about insect meal we don't speak about putting directly big and huge insect in the in the rearing farms right so um these all all the alternatives that we can use for uh replacing the fish meal and uh, I think that uh, there is a brilliant future. There is a for for insect meat, hundred percent. But uh, the problem is that we should define good strategy for replacing the, this alternative with fish meal. Okay, so that was a really interesting point that you made about about the uh, the consumer and perceptions and you know influence uh, <laughs> and all of this stuff. How do we? This is the question that we grapple with all the time. How do we do it? So. We have such a problem communicating with the consumers in this industry. Um, exactly. You know, we, we do live in this bubble, in this vacuum. We know all the great things that are happening, but we have a lot of trouble breaking out of that bubble and getting the great information to the consumers in a way that they understand and the, a way that they can appreciate. So, you know, if you mention, oh, these are these fish are fed, you know, 100% fish meal, will they accept that as a positive thing? Maybe not, because they'll they'll think of the the effects on the wild caught fisheries and and overfishing and stuff. Okay, we replaced it with fish with insect meal. <laughs> it's the exact same nutritional profile as as fish meal whatever and they just say, "Well, that's disgusting because it sounds like you're grinding up giant 
insects and just like syringing them into the mouths of the fish. These perceptions are just not clear. And how, what strategies do you think should be taken or could be taken to try and get good information out to people in a way that they'll accept it and understand it so we can kind of move the industry forward? What's your thought on that? I think that um, this could be completely um, in relation with, uh, the, with defining good marketing strategies. Because for me, um, just um, how we can um, develop this industry is uh, the first thing is that how we can change the fish food habit of people. In the first in the first step and the second step is just uh giving them more, giving them more information about the ingredient because i think that now uh, customers and customers are consumer are more aware and more conscious about what they are putting in their body so definitely they want to know from where the the, the product that they are using came from and which process this this product has been passed for being in their market for being in their house so this is the reason the the first thing that I, it was really interesting for me it was just how we can change um the fish food habit or even seafood habit of people in each country uh, just for giving you an example i did lots of research on uh changing the fit, the, the the food habits in in egypt uh, okay. because egypt is a really really interesting example um about more or less about 77% of their total uh, na- national fish production is uh, the share of aquaculture. And uh, in terms of production size and market share, the first species is tilapia, about mm-hmm. 60, 67, 68%. And the second one is carp that is usually there are uh, in the polyculture. With polyculture tilapia. with rice and stuff, yeah. Exactly, with rice and tilapia. Um, the advantages of tilapia is that uh, we can uh, put it the species in um, low level of oxygen and low quality water. And the, th- the second one, as I mentioned before, um, 70% of the running cost of the budget of the pre- preliminary project for an aquaculture project is uh, the share of aquafits. So as this species doesn't need a high quality or high percentage of protein, we can use uh, aquafits with less percentage of protein and we can use just one or two plant-based alternatives which are not really expensive. And consequently, the final product would be definitely less expensive in comparison, for example, with salmon or trout. So this is the reason that this, this species had had come a popular one in, in Egypt. Uh, but the problem is that if we continue to use just one species about, you know, when when we are speaking about 68% of the total aquaculture production in a country just for one species is a huge amount. Right. So we, if we are continuing to just for consuming one species in long term, it's going to be one of the main concerns for this industry in that country. So for me, uh, one of the most important and efficient um, strategy, which could be useful for changing uh, these habits, it could be how we can present, how we can introduce a new species uh, to the habit of people in this country. When I'm speaking about replacing uh, a new species, I'm not speaking about 50% of their total consumption because mm-hmm. it's going to be a huge risk. Right. I think yeah. definitely if you, if you want to convince people to just change 50% of whatever they, they ate before with a new species, going to be impossible. Yeah. But uh, for me, if we started to just replace 
between 5 and 10% of their total consumption with a new species, it's going to be totally logic. And when I'm speaking about a, a new species, I'm not speaking about exotic one. Because, for example, if I give you an example, in Iran, 99% of the total crustaceans production is considered to white lake shrimp, Lithopenas wanami. So if we want to change this production, if we want to replace 5% of this total production with a new one, we couldn't just uh, think of just presenting um, crayfish from France to Iran. It's mm -hmm. because there is lots of, as I mentioned before, there is lots of limitation of authorities. And the second problem is obtaining and maintenance of an exotic broodstock wouldn't be really easy. Mm -hmm. So, and and the third one is the problem of sustainability because it could have lots of negative effect on the environment. Whatever happened in France before by introducing the American crayfish to France, which just eliminate, um, I think, eighty uh, percent of the native crayfish here. So. Um, when I'm speaking about replacing some species, uh, we should do a case study in the country and know what kind of potential this country have, what is the behavior of people for using seafood, and with who we are speaking, and how many, how much time a person maybe have time during the day for using uh, seafoods. Mm -hmm. um, so, because uh, this is this is really interesting because I spoke a lot about this kind of strategies with lots of researchers. Their problem was that uh, they did a. Um, you dropped off at some point, but I don't think I missed too much. So just maybe just backtrack just a little bit if you can remember where you were. Yeah, I was speaking about how we can just um, define good strategy for replacing 5% of right. the aquafit's habit in a country, for example, in Egypt, that their main, um, the, the dominant species for them is tilapia. So the problem was that we just uh, did some research for comparing the behavior of consumers in two different countries. One of them was Egypt and the second one was Iran. The problem, the biggest mistake was we we use the same strategy for both country. But the problem is that when we are, it's exactly like when we are choosing an alternatives, we should consider that maybe when we are choosing an alternatives for just replacing the fish meal for shrimp, shrimp feeds, it's going to be completely different because they are not as fast as fishes. So we should choose an alternative with more hydro stability in the water. So when we are choosing an, an, a strategy, a marketing strategy for replacing 5% of uh, seafood habits in a country, the first thing that we should consider, uh, maybe could be an answer for your question, is that uh, which kind of platform is going to be more useful for launching and presenting a new product, which is completely something that is 100% marketing. Based on the uh, cultures of, of your target audience. Yeah. Exactly. For example, in a country, maybe putting uh, on billboard in the highway going to be more sufficient, or in, a, in another country, using social Social media and influencer gonna gonna be more interesting for the consumers for being attracted, or even producing short videos and putting them near the um, the seafood case in supermarket. So this is the reason why. First of all, we should do a case study for each country. We should do a study about the behavior of the consumers. And the third one, which is the most important one, is that which kind of platform going to be more useful for launching a, a new product? Mm -hmm. So um, this is the reason that I were really, really interested for just developing uh, this 
these kinds of strategies because I think I think that if we continue to just maintaining the same routine for consuming species in each country, definitely in 10 years is going to be another concern of sustainability, even if we could just um, just decrease the risk of negative effect of this industry on the, on the environment, if we could just uh, replace 100% of fish meal with other alternatives, if we continue just using the same routine, the same fish food habit in, con- in each countries, undoubtedly in 10 years, in long term, we could have a new problem for not having a sustainable industry. Yeah, it's a similar comparison to like the demand for diversity within like a gene pool. You know, exactly. like you, you need that diversity in there to to keep things growing and evolving in a way that's going to be sustainable in the future. So, yeah, fantastic. So what now that we're into the marketing stuff, what is on the horizon for you next? Why don't you tell I mean, I you told me what's going on, but why don't you tell our listeners kind of what's next for you and what your plans are in your next position? I think that as I would be, uh, I had the opportunity for being the the business and marketing development manager in Aliotica. My first uh, my first goal it's more how we could help clients for choosing a good alternatives and which kind of technology and equipment going to be useful for them. Uh, and uh, for me, it's going to be really interesting to meet lots of international clients in this domain, because I think that um, if we want to do some efforts, some some efficient efforts, we should do in lots of countries, we should be more in an international issue. So uh, my first object, my, my first objective, my first goal is how we can um, replace 100% the fish meal with all, all others' alternatives in adapted to the concept and the goals of all of the clients that because most of our clients are people who are producing aquafits and they are really interested for how they can just um, improve or how they can just uh, be a part of uh, this you know this effort for having a sustainable industry but uh, after that I think if uh, going to be possible I want to work on more countries for um, just determining new strategies and doing more case studies about because uh, as I said before, I choose Egypt um, because it's, it's a really interesting example that in a country, 67% of the whole consumption is just one just species. Just one species. It's a great and, place to start, right? Keep yeah. it Keep it simple from the beginning. Exactly. And, um, but uh, despite that, there is lots of really, really good potential, especially near uh, Nil River and in the south of Egypt for just mm-hmm. uh, starting to j- just to start some projects, some innovative projects for new species. So for me, the second point, second goal is going to be just doing more case studies in countries like Egypt mm-hmm. and especially in Middle East, because I, I came from Middle East. So I know the, the behavior of consumers yeah, there in right. Iran and other countries definitely and uh just doing some efforts for changing their fish food habits amazing this has been an, an awesome conversation i'm really glad you reached out to us to come on the show so you're finishing up your second master's degree exactly are you one of those people my wife is like this are you one of those people who is just kind of addicted to always going back to school and continuing to learn and like pursue more and more degrees and will that result in a phd uh, pursuit down the road do you think I 
think maybe no, because uh, before uh, just um, uh, having the opportunity to pass my internship with Aleotica, um, I thought that to work on crayfish and just working on a high uh, semi-intensive system of just rearing crayfish in Mexico. And uh, I was thinking to go to Mexico and do my internship there and staying there for, for just studying in a PhD after whatever I did and completing my research on, mm-hmm. on crayfish. But, um, you know, I think that my character is more about how I can be useful for just uh, developing this industry, because I think that aquaculture has lots of potential for uh, expansion and development. So, yeah, definitely continuing my studies in PhD is going to be really interesting even for me. But I think if I could start have the opportunity for uh, just doing something, doing uh, just motivating more people to be a part of these efforts for just changing something in aquaculture going to be more adapted to my character. So I think that not now, maybe later, but uh, after my master, I'm 100% going to be a part of this company for just helping people. Fantastic. Well, what you're doing and what you've done for your research and everything is is nothing but beneficial for the industry and we appreciate that and we're looking forward to seeing uh you know seeing you out there out in the world out in the out in the industry um and working with you so thank you so much for joining us and uh i really appreciate it is there anything else you want to get out there before we wrap up no it was a great opportunity for me thanks for having me it was a really great uh really really great experience (laughs) great well thank you so much and uh we'll be sure to stay in touch with you definitely Folks, that was my conversation with Yaz Farjad. I hope you enjoyed it. I really hope you learned something. And I hope you will remember to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen. So every time a new episode comes out, you will get that automatically downloaded to your device. Remember to find us on Twitter at AquademiaPod. Email us podcast at globalseafood.org or use the contact form at globalseafood.org slash podcast. And remember to take a minute and leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. Like I always say, it helps us out a lot. And we really appreciate everybody that's done that already. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time.